and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Vogelman. Synchronizers Watch Watches, we're talking with Corin Nemec today. Corin is best remembered for portraying Parker Lewis in Parker Lewis Can't Lose. He talks about why he was a little gun-shy at first taking the role, why it was prematurely canceled, and if there's a potential reboot in the works. Before that show, he gained acclaim for I Know My First Name is Steven. The TV movie earned him an Emmy nomination. And he talks about working on the show Webster and all the drama surrounding that. Corn was in The Stand, he was in Stargate, and a Star Trek fan movie called Star Trek Renegades. We talk about how he got that role. Super talented, graffiti artist, did a little hip-hop, breakdancing, and he's an author as well, having penned Venice High. We had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. And helping me relive my youth today is Corin Nemec. Corin, how are you doing today? Well, you know, I'm uh, six feet above ground instead of below ground, so I'm doing damn good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's certainly better than the alternative. You're absolutely right there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I saw on Twitter, because you're, you're pretty big on Twitter, I am Corin Nemec. Um, you had a pretty busy weekend with your son. You had a big birthday party, huh? Well, his birthday was actually last weekend, but I was in uh, Brussels for uh, Comic-Con over there. And so uh, I wasn't able to be in town for the weekend. And um, and I think that, um, you know, I mean, his, his mom his mom was awesome and everything like that. But I don't know about, you know, with six teenage boys running around the house. So I told him just to wait until I got back in town and then he can invite all his buddies over to, uh, to my place. And, uh, and they can tear it up here instead. So, uh, so they they had like a more of a mild, uh, mild mannered birthday last weekend, and then uh, him and his friends uh, toured up over here last night. Oh yeah, it sounds like a death wish you had there, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, you know, I got I just got to keep myself from 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 going. What are you guys talking about right now? <laughs> you know, right. every ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, totally. How old is how old did he turn? Uh, 14. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my son's 14 now, so it's a uh, perfect age. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I you know I remember when I was 14, and I got to say my my son is is is, is far uh, is doing far better than I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear. Yes, it's the same same with mine. <laughs> same with mine. Yeah. So uh, another Twitter thing which I crack up. How what's the deal with this whole catzonemic thing? You know, I have no idea who this Casso character is, but uh, um, uh, years back, I mean, my God, it's got to be almost 10 years now or so. I can't remember how long ago it was, but uh, I had um, uh, somehow I, at one of these conventions, I think it was in Australia, at this big convention, I was doing a Q&A. And someone had asked if I was a cat or a dog person or whatever, and I kind of was like, oh, God, not cats. Oh, hell no, you know. And, <laughs> and of course, you know, all the cat lovers in, in the house were like, oh, how dare you not like cats? And so, uh, sorry for a little bit of banging around in the background, but so, so um, they, you know, from there, I started getting, like, people on Twitter, oh, what is it that you don't like about cats? And it turned into this whole thing, and I was like, you know, it's not that I don't like like them i just don't want to live with them right and um and so then suddenly out of nowhere this uh 
this uh, nemesis uh, popped up on Twitter named Catso Nemec, <laughs> and it started like you know like harassing you, which I thought was hilarious. Right. But at first, some of the people on Twitter were offended for me, uh, you know, by some of the stuff, and I and I was like, no, I think it's hilarious. I love it. And so. So, Katso, several of Katso's early accounts were suspended because of complaints and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, it took a while for people to finally, like, relax and, and enjoy the show, you know? Yeah, I, but, I, it, uh, it's funny. Yeah, I, every time like you like you know retweet or like it, it's it's comical. It's it, it's really it's really clever. So whoever did it, bravo. <laughs> yeah, whoever that psycho is is, uh, is 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 very funny, and I you know and fortunately I have a, I have an extremely thick skin. I grew up in the eighties and the and the, uh, the advent of bagging and mom jokes. So, right. Yeah. Uh, you know it was uh, it was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't mind a, a good uh, a good cheering, whether uh, whether comical or not. You know, so it's all it's all good. It's, I, I enjoy it very much. It's, it's, it's quite humorous. Right. Do you think like like even like say back in like the you know late eighties early nineties? Do you think if like they had Twitter and social media back then, you could handle it? Oh man, it would have been. I mean, my career would have taken a completely different turn. Right. <laughs> I, I don't, you know. You know, with with uh, with TMZ, with with all the social media stuff, with I mean, I'm sure that I would have embraced it wholeheartedly. It took me a while, really, to embrace it uh, uh, because I'm, uh, you know, throughout the '90s, I became more and more and more kind of private and and sort of uh, not really engaged, you know, that much with um, uh, with the world outside of just me doing my acting and right. loving what I do spending time with my friends and family and stuff, but I, I kind of uh, uh, took myself away from from the media circus of it all, which which had a negative effect on my career, for sure. Um, but I just, I didn't like how I was represented a lot of the time in, in, in um, magazines and articles and stuff like that. And then I also really, really didn't like the pre-interview routine of doing talk shows, and I, I didn't feel that it was organic and and they kind of coach you if they don't get something that they, you know, that they that they want for their show, they kind of coach you. They're like, and then they'll even have you just make something up, just right. have a funny story to tell, you know. It doesn't even have to be true. And uh, and I was just like, you know, I, I finally was like, you know, I'm not doing pre interviews anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I was telling my publicist that. She's like, well, you're not going to probably get many interviews. I said, listen, just tell them if they want to ask me questions. I'll do the show, and they can ask me questions, and I'll, and I'll answer them. Right. And, you know, and she's like, yeah, but that's not exactly how it works. I'm like, hey, then, then, they, just, then they just don't want to talk to me. You know, yeah. I don't know what to, you know. So, so I, uh, I, 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 very shortly after that decision, I was no longer on talk shows. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever regret it or no? Later on, I did, because I think that, that you know, it's certainly, you know, even though I've always kept working and everything and, and you know, but it's been, it's been a hustle, you know, it's been yeah. a real hustle. I think that if I had played the, um, played the game, the, the media game a lot better and a lot more savvy, uh, that, that I likely would have been, been working on different, different kind of levels of projects and not been like having to hustle quite as hard as I've had to hustle over these years in order to, you know, keep in the game. Right. Um, especially from being an actor from age 12 on, you know what I mean? When, uh, when a lot of people that, uh, that have been doing it that long, they, they kind of disappear into the ether 
uh, or, or go insane. Right. <laughs> or a combination of the Both, two. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think that, that I, I, I could have, um, I could have played the game better uh, if, uh, you know what I mean, if, if I had, um, if, if, I, if I wanted to make that choice at the time. I just did not want to, I felt like I, felt like I was selling myself out in a way, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and now I realize, well, you know what, that's part of the game. You should have just sold yourself out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think you've, like, you've taken some roles as a result of the hustle that you kind of regret? No, no, no. Okay. I mean, really, any any role is any role is, is a good role as far as I'm concerned. It's all in what's it's, it's all in what's done with it. You know, some of the projects, of course, were not were not so great, and you know, uh, but but at the end of the day, for me, it's like it's what am I doing? What am I bringing to the table? Uh, you know, and am I am I enjoying myself playing the, the character that I'm playing? And, uh, and that's really what it boils down to for me, you know. Right. Yeah. So like you mentioned like one of like you know your earlier roles, you know, around you know, twelve was you know being on uh, Webster, you know, cousin cousin Nikki. Uh, I I stopped watching yeah, it by then. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um. How, how was that experience like? That was hell, actually. <laughs> uh, um, you know the 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 two parents on the show, uh, Mam and George. I can't. Alex Karras and whatever. Yeah, Susan Clark. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be That's good. At least you had, you know, th- that part of enjoyable experience. But did, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, did that kind of like sour you for any like sitcoms, you know, going forward? Well, it, it did in a way because <laughs> when when um, well, I had done a uh, a half hour single camera show called What's Alan Watching, right? Which, right. Uh, which ended up coming out as just a just a um, a pilot, basically a TV special because. CBS and Eddie Murphy Productions really didn't get along very well. Okay. And uh, but uh, but it was an incredibly written uh, show. It was very hilarious. I had a great role uh, as the starring role in it. I uh, had an amazing cast. And um, and at that time, oddly enough, um, Clyde Phillips uh, was over at CBS, um, and he was doing Houston Nights. Clyde okay. Phillips. Was was the the one who created uh, Arthur Lewis Can't Lose along with Lon Diamond, and so uh, he had been um, after he had been asked to you know to to, to do this uh, half hour you know comedy about um, about a young a kid in high school and stuff. This is before Ferris Bueller came out, right? And so um, he had he was familiar with uh, what's Alan watching from having been at CBS at the time and was a huge fan of of the show and and. Uh, Fortunately for me, because uh, when when he and Lon Diamond worked on um, uh, created Parker Lewis for CBS, CBS ended up passing on it, and so they had they took the show then over to Fox. And by that point, uh, Ferris Bueller had come out and been a big hit, 
which I think helped the sell of the show, but also Fox launching a full programming schedule was a, was a big part of it too. And, uh, and so they, they had me, unbeknownst to me, uh, they had me in mind for the role of Parker Lewis for, you know, at least, uh, at least two years, you know, right. and before they got the go ahead. So when they, when they asked me if I wanted to do the show, I was, I had just actually gotten off this big sci-fi movie called Solar Crisis, which I thought was going to be a gigantic hit. It ended up flopping. Yeah, I was going to ask you about was, that later. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, a really, really great movie. It had some, um, I mean, not great movie, but I mean, it was it was a pretty damn good movie for what it was, but oh. had an incredible cast, uh, you know, Jack Palance and Charlton Heston. Yeah, Peter and, Boyle. And and, yeah. yeah, you know, Tim Matheson, a bunch of people. And so, so I was kind of like, thinking, oh, well, you know, that's probably going to launch me into a different area in terms of, you know, theatrical uh, uh, career. And uh, and uh, and so they, I, I kind of tur- turned it down, and, they were, and I was like, I don't want to do a half-hour, you know, multi-camera sitcom. I had a miserable experience in the past. Right. And they were like, well, no, that's, that's not what it is. That's not what we're doing. Uh, you know, we really want this show to be a lot like 3 O'Clock High, which was this very cool um, show, a uh, movie that Casey Schmasto started in back in the 80s. Yeah, I, I, I had Richard Tyson on a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, the, cin- the, 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 the cinematic vibe of, of that was just incredible. It was right. very well shot, and it, had, it was like the camera was a character, you know, in, yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, in the show. And so uh, when they explained that to me, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, 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 I totally get it. Um, uh, and, and I'd love to be a part of it, you know. And so, fortunately uh, for me, that they, 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 that all worked out because it was just an incredible experience uh, working on that show, and it was groundbreaking as well. So, um, you know, I, I definitely uh, uh, am happy that that worked out the way that it did. Yeah, the, the, the show was great. I mean, the casting was perfect. Um, it was funny. I, I used to work at a, a cable news station, and a, a couple years ago, they did a stuff. I what the story was about, but one of the guests was a criminal defense attorney. Turned out to be Troy Slayton, who played Cherry on the show. And oh, I, hilarious. yeah, and it was so funny. I'm, I'm, I look up. I'm like, oh shit, it's it's Jerry. And like people look at me like no one knew. I'm like Parker Lewis, and one person like, oh yeah, but everyone else it was like the whole control room was like dead silence. So it, it's it's kind of funny that it, the career path that he took. Well, I mean, it's, it's actually apropos. I mean, his character would have become a woman. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he would have been Parker's lawyer. Actually, he probably would have been more Mikey's lawyer. Mikey's, yeah, Mikey's definitely. Troublemaker, but, uh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the way, like, now everything is, like, rebooted and, like, you know, remade, do you think that there would be kind of like an audience for a Parker Lewis reboot? Hey, look, you know, I actually, me and Lon Diamond got together a while, a little while back and, and discussed that very uh, subject, and uh, really we were, we were trying to get uh, Clyde, you know, Clyde Phillips, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, to uh, you know, to, to go for it as well, and, and you know, to, to really approach it in a whole different kind of light, you know, and, uh, and it, I don't know really what, what conversations they had, but, you know, once Lon kind of got got me i was like hell yeah why yeah. not it, 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 you know depending on, on on what the take was what you know whether it's now it's parker's son and parker's the dad or right. whatever i don't know you know whatever the case was i kind of thought it would have been funny to kind of flip the script and have that have been you know parker lewis like that that was it after his high school years 
everything went downhill for him after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would be hilarious. Yeah. Or Parker uh, Lewis yeah, can't win or something like that. <laughs> you know, you, you, but, uh, but, it, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's really, uh, you know, maybe if, maybe if enough people get into, into Clyde's ears right. uh, about it, then, then he'll, uh, he'll, you know, think, think, uh, think more seriously about it. But, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it is what it is. I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hustling on what I got going on now as well. So I got a you know really cool film coming out uh, in Easter called Rotten Tail. On right. Easter called Rotten Tail, which is um, based on a graphic right. novel of the same title. It's uh, published by Source Point Press, and uh, Brian uh, Skiba uh, directed it. Uh, amazing director. I, I was also producing on it, and uh, and we did it for a very limited budget, but. Uh, it's just it's a horror comedy along the same vein as, as what the comic book was and uh it's extremely funny i'm very excited for it um and uh and we'll see what happens it's going to have a limited theatrical release across the u.s if it picks up some you know some some steam it maybe it'll end up in more theaters uh but then uh, we're with a company called ammo content and if uh and then from there, it'll jump onto all of the other, you know, available platforms where, you know, where you can purchase or, or rent it online and whatnot. So um, I think that it's going to do very, very well, no matter what. I really have a, I have a um, high hopes for it because it's, uh, it is extremely well done and the characters are funny. I play a half man, half rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the trailer. It, it looks, it looks really good. And, uh, and then I have another film that'll be coming out, uh, probably more hitting the festival circuit because it's, uh, uh, Van Dit Bong, who is the writer-director of it, it's called Sleeping in Plastic, and uh, I play this this sort of like redneck drug dealer, <laughs> which is a, a really really fun role. And uh, he did a, a real bang up job. He, he's really he's he's known as a professional photographer, an incredible photographer, and uh, you know really always wanted to tell stories in movies, you know, through the the lens of the camera. And wrote his first script, got the money for it, and, and directed it. He's, I think he has a big career ahead of him, and, um, and so I'm excited for that to go to the festivals because uh, uh, although Rotten Tail could have probably gone to some festivals, right. you know, and more in the horror genre and stuff like that, um, I, it was not the route that, that was taken for the distribution of it. And but but I'm excited because I haven't had a film go to you know on the festival circuit in a long, long time. So. You know, I'm excited for that to, uh, to take place as well. Um, and then I start a movie um, in a couple of weeks, which uh, uh, is called My True Fairy Tale. And it's basically, it's more of a kid's movie, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. It'll be fun, uh, fun role to play. That's awesome, man. Good luck with that. But yeah, besides, besides acting, you know, you just came out with your uh, first novel, Venice High, which is, which yeah, yeah, is really cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I had a great time writing it. I have a couple of other. I got a photo book out from uh, uh, Mickey Avalon, who is uh, sort of a uh, alternative uh, rap. He's uh, what we call an alternative rapper, you know, alternative rap scene. Right. And, uh, uh, his first album, I did all the, the, the photos for it. I did journal number six style photography for a long time. And uh, and his photo, the photos that I took of him, uh, Interscope ended up picking up those and using one for the album cover and using another half dozen or so for all the publicity for the launch of his first album. And, um, and, uh, it, uh, it went really, really well, uh, you know, 
for, for him and really launched him in his career. So I, I did a, uh, a sort of a mini coffee table book of that photo shoot. And then also I do uh, quite a bit of street art and, right. and, uh, and, and graffiti art or murals, you know, uh, using aerosol uh, as my medium. But, um, and so I put out a, uh, a book of a bunch of my, of my art as well called The Paper Chase. So, Pimp's Paradise is the name of, of the Mickey Avalon one, okay. and uh, uh, the Paper Chase is the one with the, all the art and everything, and then you have Venice High, and it's all through Lulu, uh, Lulu Press, which uh, Lulu.com is there, is the, is the website. I think most of them can be purchased on Amazon as well, but they're e- I think they're easier to find on Lulu.com if anybody's interested. All right, cool, definitely, definitely. How'd you get involved in graffiti art? Um, I, I really, I, you know, I mean, I grew up in the early eighties with right. the break dancing and all of that. And, uh, and that was a, you know, that was the, uh, the style of art for, you know, for that, for that world, for the hip hop world. It was, you know, it was the break dancing, the graffiti art, the DJing, the rapping, you know, the style of dress and all of that. And, uh, and I, I was always an artist. My mom's a graphic artist when I, when I was growing up and my dad is a, was an architect and became a, a set designer and production designer in the film business. And, and, uh, and I just, uh, I remember seeing this, uh, I mean, I, I started doing my, like my, my name kid Cruz was my break dancing <laughs> name. I would draw up little bubble letters and stuff. And then, um, <clears throat> I saw this news, um, on the news, this, this graffiti artist out of New York, a famous one named scene S E E N. He had done, he had tagged the, uh, the Hollywood sign in, in Los Angeles really, really big, and it made nationwide news. So I was living in Atlanta at the time, and I was like, "Wow, that's dude, that's that's huge." And and then when um when we when I ended up moving to Los Angeles uh, a year or two later, uh, kids that I was in school with they were doing graffiti art on a whole different level than what I had been introduced to in Atlanta. So. Um, you know, I was like, oh, this is what it's all about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, I immediately, uh, you know, took to it very quickly and uh, and just started, you know, started painting, started going to graffiti yards and and, uh, and painting and, and getting down with that whole scene. So it's, uh, you know, and Venice High is, is, you know, loosely kind of based on what my experience was, was like uh, as, as a teenage graffiti artist, but it's, it's wrapped around a, you know, uh, a different uh, life story, basically, you know. Right. Do you think like there'd be like even like a movie or a TV like adaptation of Genocide? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a screenplay writer. I've been, I've written right. so many of them, and unfortunately, I you know I've never been able to get decent representation right. from, from the literary world uh, as a, as a screenplay writer because I think that a lot of times in Hollywood they sort of you know, they want you to stay where you are, you know? Yeah. If you're an actor, stay an actor. If you're a director, stay a director. A lot of directors do do a lot of their own writing and stuff. But anyway, it's just, you know, it, I, I've, I've written about 20 screenplays, and, and I really write, you know, because I like to tell stories. And uh, Venice High was something that I've been, you know, really, really wanting to write for a while. And I kind of, because it was based on my own life, but I couldn't really figure out what should I tell my actual story or what should I do, you know? Right. And so, um, I finally, uh, I finally kind of like figured out a way to tell the story in a way that I thought was, was really original and yet also wasn't the period piece. It didn't take place back in, 
you know, the, um, uh, the, the, the Aces. And, um, and so, which, which is, you know, always easier and less expensive to do. And, um, and then when I, you know, so I wrote this, I wrote the script and I was like, I couldn't get anybody, you know, I couldn't get it out there and everything. I was like, you know what? I just need to turn this into a book. Right. And I left it, I left a lot of the, I left all the dialogue in a script format because I just, um, I just like the way that it flows. You know, I like the way that the, that the dialogue flows. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's more, it's more, it's more fun for me to write that way. And it's less complicated, you know, but, um, and so I, I, I left all the descriptive in a, in a traditional kind of, 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 of prose that you would have for writing. And then, sorry, my dogs out there have losing his mind over something here. <laughs> no problem. But, uh, and, you know, and so I, I just turned it into, into a book and, and, uh, and got it published. And so hopefully that was still, um, oh, goodness, they are losing their minds. <laughs> a cat in the yard. Right. There. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there are cats here we go uh-oh uh cats are out there stalking yeah. me <laughs> uh so you know we'll see i mean i you know i i did finally get some representation uh for that specifically um uh and uh and and we'll see what happens you know i'm, I'm really hoping to take it out uh, i've done uh you know i've done some other writing and, and created a series before with david Faustino and i uh, called Starving, yeah. show, which thank God, it's, thank God it's not on, it's not on any platforms anymore because the thing is so politically correct these days. Right. If that thing was still on, we would never work again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I tried, I tried finding some of it. The only fa- the thing I found was a, a really funny clip with, between the two of you and Ed O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was very, very early. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they had it on DVD for a while, and then right. that disappeared. So. You know, and I know that some people had uploaded it, you know, themselves, yeah. and, you know, a couple of times, and it keeps getting, like, brought back down yeah. by whoever. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, which I think, in a way, I think it's good because it's so, uh, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> we make fun of ourselves the most, but, you know, no nobody is, uh, you know, nobody is safe in that, in that show. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I really think that... Uh, uh, that, that it probably wouldn't have served the best purpose for us in present time. But we're also we also just did a um, a new pilot uh, show for a company called Gas Money Gas Money Pictures, okay. which is an animated series, uh, and and it's called Hollywood H O L L Y W O U L D, and it's um, it's David Faustino. Everybody in the in the in the animated show is is fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Hmm. And uh, David and I are two uh, peanuts right. that are writer producers in Hollywood, trying to you know uh, trying to make it make it big, and uh, it's very funny. And I, I really think that uh, I really think something will come of that. Oh, that's awesome! So that's big right now. Yeah, good luck um, with that. I, yeah, I, a couple of years ago, I, I watched um, Star Trek Renegades, and I, I had Tim Russ on about a year ago who directed it, and. Sure enough, you're a starship captain. How did you get involved in that project? Um, I, I actually just, you know, when, when they were first trying to, to shop it as a TV series, you know, I, had, it, you know, wasn't that long, too long after I had, I had, uh, you know, well, I guess it was a little bit after I was on Star, Star, Star Stargate. Stargate, so, yeah. uh, But anyway, I was, I had a, a decent following in the sci-fi world. I still do, 
and it, it made sense, uh, you know, to them at the time uh, to attach me to it and uh, and see if you know if, if they could sell it as a, as a TV series. And uh, and for whatever reason, they, you know, because at that time a lot of the, the Star Trek movie franchise was out, and they were like, no, they were like, no, we don't want to do, you know, we don't want to soil the Star the Star Trek. Uh, movie franchise of the series right now. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and so they, they ended up wanting to do it or whatever, and then, it, I don't know why, because I wasn't a producer on that, but I know it was a, a real challenge. They ended up just doing it as a fan, a fan-financed uh, show, um, which uh, which they did an incredible job based on the fact that they, that they had almost zero budget. And, right, uh, yeah. Uh, but they were able to access some, some really great sets and stuff, and... Uh, and and I and I was uh, pretty blown away by by what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, and to, and to get like you know Walter Keenan and it, you know to get you know Tim Russ involved and uh, other yeah, Star Trek you know alumni, it it was really good. And th- those fan those fan movies are really well done. I advise everyone to check them out on YouTube. They're they're great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm always surprised by it. I just did this. I mean, it's not, it's not based on anything. It's an original concept, but this French uh, web series called Noob. Which is very very popular over in France. It's just gets, you know, uh, it's got a huge following, and uh, I ended up meeting the um, the creators of that of that show at some conventions over in France, and uh, and and they they were and I saw it. I was like, oh my god, this is really actually very funny, very well done, and um, uh, and they were like, oh, would you ever think about doing an episode? I'm like, yeah, I totally do one. Right. And, and so then they called me out on it. They're like, okay. <laughs> so, um, I ended up uh, over in France um, uh, last year, near the end of last year, and we made arrangements for me to shoot an episode while I was in Paris, and uh, and it was it was a, it was a blast. It's very funny. So I'm going to go back and do another uh, another episode with them here in a couple of months. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, the the first thing I saw you in was uh, the TV movie. I know my first name is Steven, which got you an Emmy nomination. It was really well done. It's like back when they actually did like TV movies of the week. Do you, do you still get like recognition for that movie? Um, some, yes. I mean, surprisingly so, you know, I mean, norm, normally it's, you know, it's people who kind of track with my career from that point forward. And always right. remembered me from that. Yeah. Um, you know, otherwise it's, you know, maybe in a conversation it'll come up and go, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know what I mean? It's one of those kind of deals where, you know, yeah. I, somebody saw it, didn't know it was me, and and whatever. But uh, but yeah, that, you know that, that certainly was a uh, was a, a, a phenomenal um, uh, miniseries and extremely well done, uh, and, uh, and and just so well written and such a touching touching true story, you know. Yeah, how much time did you spend with uh, Stephen beforehand? Well, he was only he was on set a couple of times. But really, not that much. Right. Uh, you know, uh, he said, you know, he already had a family and everything, and he was, he was, he was uh, at, a, at a police academy, I believe, if I remember correctly, and he was going to become a cop. And then, you know, the night before, he, he was on set a few times, and actually did a cameo as one of the police officers that walks me home for the first time as, okay. as the character. Right. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he ended up passing away. You know the. Uh, 
the night before the Emmys, which was really, really heavy. We really, we really wanted to win something in his name. Right. But, uh, but uh, that was the same year that Lonesome Dove had come out, and, and Lonesome Dove just cleaned house. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you had your Emmy experience. Like, what was that like? I mean, you're a teenager, and you're like being nominated for an Emmy. How surreal was that night for you? I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I was just more excited that they didn't card me in the green room. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, I just, I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I, I was just, like I said, I was, I was more interested in, in my life and living my life and, and what my, what I was doing, you know, yes, I was doing my thing as an actor, but also I was like, you know, painting graffiti on the weekends and want to hang out with my friends and this and that. And so, you know, the idea of the Emmys, I was like, yeah, that's cool and all, but I really, you know, <laughs> it didn't. It wasn't as it wasn't as big of a deal until years and years right. later. Like when I got, when I finally got into my thirties, I was like, holy shit, I was nominated for for an Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really well it's a really well done you know powerful piece it's totally. Uh, the stands, uh, another fantastic TV uh, miniseries. Um, and if you read the book, it's your character was not really portrayed the way you portrayed it, you know? Well, no, and that, well, I mean, it was because from what the story is that I was told by Mick Garris is that he and Stephen King were just having a, a horrible, horrible time uh, casting that role. They've been all over Los Angeles, Chicago, even Miami, New York. Uh, you know, maybe a couple places in between uh, trying to find the actor, you know, for that role. And they just said that they just couldn't find anybody. But I had auditioned for the movie Sleepwalker uh, that Mick Garris had also directed, you know, a number of years before. Right. And he really, really thought that I, I, I knocked the audition out of the park. But I had, um, uh, I didn't have the, the physical you know, look that, that he wanted for that, that, yeah. that movie. That was Brian Krause, and, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Brian are friends, man. He's great. I'm, right. I'm so happy that he got the part. And uh, and so, you know, flash forward a number of years later, and it's the same, It's it, well, it's not the same scenario, but uh, it, it became that, is that, uh, you know, Mick kept telling Stephen King, he's like, look, you know, there's this actor, but he's not fat. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't look the character, but he's really good. And I think that if you let him come in and you just keep an open mind about it and let him audition, you know what I'm saying, that, that, that I think that you'll like it. And uh, and he just kept saying, no, no, because he looked at my picture. And he's like, no, the guy from Parker Lewis. And this thing's like, no. He's like, that's not even, he's so far from being the character. And so finally, after they, you know, they went to their fifth city or whatever and couldn't find uh, somebody that fit the description, they they brought me in, and, and I, when I read the description and the breakdown, I was like, oh, I'm never fucking getting this, right. you know? And, uh, and so I uh, went in and auditioned for it, and I, and I did my, you know, my take on the character, and when I left the room, apparently Stephen King was like, I, I, you're totally right. He can totally play the character. Yeah. So uh, I got the opportunity, which is, was amazing, because that was such an incredible, phenomenal uh, miniseries to be a part of, just epic. I mean, what a cast, what what an experience, you know, what what a what a, what a great project to, to have had my name associated with, you know, I love it. Yeah, I mean, the, the cast was great. I mean, you, uh, Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwall, Ruby D, Rob Lowe, 
Laura Sanji Como. I mean, that was a phenomenal cast to put together. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So back to Parker Lewis for, for one sec. The third season, um, yeah, what happened there? there. The yeah. Well, Rupert Murdoch sold Fox. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, Rupert he bought, he bought Fox. Fox. Yeah. Yeah, he just bought Fox, and they had fired the entire, like, executive staff over there and brought on a bunch of their own people, and and they just, you know, they, it's like somebody puts a hat on, and somebody puts on a, you know, a, a, a policeman's hat, and they want to be a cop. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. So, you know, they showed up, they put on their suits and their ties, and they walk in, they're like, well, now we're executives over here, now we got to start, you know, executive executiving stuff yeah right and uh and they decided that our show should you know should be more like 90210 and shouldn't be so wild and all this and and we fought it hard to try to keep them from doing that you know to the show we knew it was going to be the end of the fucking line for us they did and and they and they but there was nothing we could do you know they signed the checks and yeah and they forced us they forced us to make those changes and it was a very tough season. It was a very tough season on everyone because we saw the writing on the wall halfway through the season when it started airing. Right. And people were like, what? You know, and then they started moving us all over from this night to that night. And like, that's, you know, it's a, you know, that's yeah. the, de- the death throes at that point. So if they had just left us alone and let us keep doing what we were doing, I, I, I really think that we would have gone at least five seasons. Yeah, you definitely would have at least gotten syndication, that's for sure. Yeah, we were 10 episodes away from syndication, which is just a fucking crime. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, the, the show, besides being on DVD, it's not anywhere you can find it. No, you can Yeah, you, you can get DVDs, but only for the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank God. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We never came out on, on DVD, except in Germany. Right, right, yeah. That's, that's, that's a shame. Yeah, because the third season, I mean, one of the best characters was Lemmer, and he was gone. Yeah, that was a dude. That was that was tough. Yeah, that was really tough to see that character go. I mean, that was like, you know, it was devastating to all of us. You know, right? It was really, really just we. But we had to show up. We had to like, yeah, of course. you know, yeah. have a good attitude about it and everything. And and it was just, you know, every day was like a fuck. You know, yeah. Like why? Like this is just we we had something golden, and they just, you know, they killed the goose. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a shame. We only got two golden eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The third was bronze or copper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you, you did a couple guest spots on nine hundred two one zero, like you mentioned before. Uh, I don't remember was was Luke Perry on, on on the cast back then? Was he already gone? Oh yeah, Luke Perry was. He was yeah. He was one of the original cast members on that. Right. No, but I mean, because I know he left the show. I don't know if he came back when he when he did your guest you know, spots. He was still on the he was show. Still there. I was on. I oh, okay. haven't scenes with him. I, I was on, all my scenes were with Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, okay. uh, I was uh, I, I had like like conned I conned her out of all of her money or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, I only did like four episodes. Though. Right. Yeah. Okay. What What was Luke Perry like? Oh, he was always. I mean, I saw I saw Luke and yeah. and uh, me and Jason Priestley hung out quite a bit uh, right. back then and. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I would see all of them at different events, Fox yeah. events, and whatnot. And he was just one of the most humble, most laid back, you know, really kind guys. Uh, and uh, and I, I, you know, it's just that, that news just is still, I, I still not really real to me, you know. But 
but it's, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that I've been living in Texas for too many years. So anything that happens in Hollywood isn't real to me anymore. Yeah, no. But like, like living in Texas, like how difficult is that for you? I mean, I know, you're, you know your kids, you're, at least your son is there, but like how, how difficult is it for you to like get jobs, just, you know, quickly fly out? Yeah, to... I might as well be living, well living on the fucking moon, I'll tell you that. Right. You know? <laughs> it, it, it's very tough. I mean, fortunately, I've made some, some decent uh, uh, friendships and relationships over the years with mm-hmm. producers and directors and stuff like that. And, and, you know, and I stay current and I keep working. And uh, But almost all of my auditions, I, I, I record myself and, and submit them electronically. And I don't even know if they watch them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's easier now that you can, you know, like send clips like that, you know, through, through the internet rather than just, you know, snail mail or whatnot. Yeah, there's nothing like being in the room. Right, true. There's nothing like being in the room, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But um, you played a couple of serial killers too. Which one was your favorite to play, Richard Speck or Ted Bundy? Richard Speck was for sure. Yeah. Uh, that 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 was like, I mean, what a great you know indie film that was uh, it was just that, that character was just out to lunch and i had a, such a good time playing that character as sick as he was yeah have, have you seen uh, the show mindhunter on netflix mm, uh, no i haven't seen that yet oh it, it's great it's, it's about like these two um like fbi agents that kind of interview these serial killers and one of them is richard speck and it's 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 really well oh, done. Oh yeah, I saw yeah yeah yeah. I never I haven't watched it though. No, I've yeah I watched some of his interviews though before I did the film. And, oh uh, sure, yeah. Uh, that dude was out to launch, man. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Have Have you listened to the Ted Bundy tapes? I'm sure you had to, right? When you no, I no. hate that guy. Yeah, I, I can that imagine. Yeah. Role. I mean, playing that role after five days, I was like, dude, I do, I do not want to be this guy anymore. He's just a total scumbag. Yeah. And uh, and that was a tough one to just like you know like. Ugh, I, I mean, that was one where I had to like really shake it off at the end of each day. Sometimes I was just like, "Dude, what a creep!" Really, God, that's yeah. I mean, it's has that like been like the worst one you had to like do? Like, I mean, because I mean, other characters you just kind of yeah. I don't mind playing dark characters. Right. I, I, I enjoy that as an actor, but uh, but for for whatever reason, you know, the fact that that that, that he was such a demented, twisted. Yeah. Uh, psychopath. It just really was a. It was a tough one to to uh, to play at times. Yeah, and uh, I, I I watched Solar Crisis about a month ago, and um, like like you said, you know the, the the cast was legendary. You know Charlton Heston, Peter Boyle, Jack Palance. But it was kind of funny how like you didn't have any scenes with your quote unquote father in the movie Tim Matheson. <laughs> I know, I know, because he was he was out in outer space the yeah. whole time. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, the last thing I want to talk about is your little uh, foray into hip hop. Oh yeah, that was fun. That was uh, I actually uh, you know we, I, I did an entire album uh, called Starship of Fools, right. uh, Lost in the Year 2000, and we did it with with uh, uh, developed the whole album with Motown at the time, and uh, the the lady Deidre Tate, who was our uh, our our point on that, uh, she ended up getting into this tragic car wreck and never was able to go back to work. Oh, and our wow. project ended up getting shelved, but the rights reverted back to me, and so I, I had I, I had all the you know the reels for it and everything. And and Bob was uh, our our primary uh, producer on on the uh, uh, doing all the music for it, and so I ended up giving him uh, all those original reels last year because I'm not going to do anything with him and he's still doing music and stuff. So right. I was like, dude, maybe, maybe you'll, you know, digitize these and, 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 you know, 
maybe it'll maybe it'll see the light of day sometime. But uh, I did, uh, you know, I did go. I, I did. I used to freestyle a lot of clubs and I hang out with Jerobi from Tribe Called Quest. Okay. So I used to go and freestyle at clubs all the time in New York, and uh, and I and I ended up at Ed Lover's uh, birthday, Ed Lover and Dr. Dre, and, right. uh, and I freestyled at his birthday party, and people were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so uh, I ended up going to. Um, uh, uh, Yom to be rap spring break in Daytona Beach and uh, and they called me up on stage with the brand new heavies and stuff and I I did a whole freestyle with the brand new heavies on Ed Lover and Dr Dre's segment uh, there and uh, and that was just uh, just such a gas I was I was hanging out with uh, with the leaders of the new school and we were going out to clubs afterwards and I was freestyling at clubs with those guys and just it was just a mad it was a mad experience I had a great time. Right. It's a good thing TMZ wasn't around back then, right? <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, I mean, it, it may have helped my career, but uh, <laughs> I, I certainly would, would have been a, uh, a, I would have been a cherished member of, 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 of their uh, catalog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. But, but Corin, uh, thank you for a few minutes tonight. Good luck with uh, Rotten Tail. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, good luck with your, uh, your son. Hey, thanks so much, buddy. And a special thanks to Corin for joining me today. If you want to pick up Venice High, it's on Lulu.com, also on Amazon. Go check out the trailer for Rotten Tail on YouTube. The movie looks really good. It comes out soon. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's I am Corin Nemec. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'd appreciate it. I'm at the first Noel19. Be sure to like the page of Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud, Podbean, and also on Spotify. On Spotify, just search Reliving My Youth, all one word. Go to tpublic.com for all your Living My Youth merchandise. And coming up on the next Reliving My Youth. And other things, I had auditions where, or I had situations where I wanted to audition for things, I should say. And there were some things that I couldn't get in on because people wouldn't see me because they said, oh no, we know what she does. Karen Parsons talks about being typecasted after playing Hillary on the next Living My Youth. See you then.